this season, we cling to his presence. May the God of hope fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him. For he has so much love for you. His greatest gift is himself. His present is his presence. It's exciting. Christmas is coming, isn't it, Genevieve? I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. Now turn to the neighbor that you don't like as much and say, Merry Christmas. What? They're your second choice. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, we're grateful that you're here. Welcome to Newport Mesa Church. Wanted to just say a special welcome to anyone who is here for the very first time. Newport Mesa, let's give them a big family welcome. We're grateful that you're here. I want to say hey to anyone who is tuning in on Facebook Live. Our hope as a church family is to build God's family. That's what we're all about. We want to help uh, people grow in their relationship with Jesus and be a part of the, the spreading of God's family all over Orange County. We're, uh, we're, we're a part of a, a larger network of churches, of, of churches that uh, believes that Jesus is king and it's through Jesus that we can have peace with God. We're just so grateful that you're here and uh, it is the Christmas season and we have been uh, going through a series that we've called Presence. And uh, the, the exciting part is that this journey for us does not end today. We actually have two more services on Christmas Eve at 5 and 6. And uh, they're going to be candlelight services, about 45 minutes in length. Uh, I was telling the first service, my family is still building traditions, right? And I, I want to make sure my family does not miss that Jesus is the centerpiece of Christmas. And so right in the middle of all of the busyness and the craziness on Christmas Eve at 5 and 6, we're just going to take a pause and we're going to honor God and we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We really hope that you can come. In fact, uh, even if you can't come, one of, the things, uh, one of the ways that you can help us is by just going online and sharing any of our uh, any of our promotional pieces about Christmas Eve. We want as many people to be able to celebrate the birth of Jesus on Christmas Eve uh, as is possible. We believe that Jesus coming to earth, God incarnate, God in the flesh, changes everything. It's the biggest present that humanity could ever receive. Speaking of presents, that's what we've been talking about the last four weeks. Uh, not just P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, -E -E but God's P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, -E -E, God's presence in our lives, and how it inspires hope, it creates peace, it results in joy, and we're going to talk about the motivation of God today in Christmas. We're going to unwrap this idea of love. But when I talk about love, obviously there are lots of things that people think about. What do you think about when you think about that word Love. How many of you have downloaded Disney Plus? Anyone? Anyone? I've been thinking 
little more about love through one of the series on Disney Plus, okay? How many of you have heard of or have begun watching the series The Mandalorian? Is there anyone? Come on, let me, let me, let me see it. Where, where are my Star Wars people, okay? I saw someone today with a Santa hat on and the green ears. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, the Mandalorian, The Mandalorian is a show actually that I've been watching and it's amazing to me, almost any movie that you watch, you, you can find biblical themes, redemptive themes in those movies. And there is a biblical theme in, in The Mandalorian. Um, it really has to do with the definition of love that we're going to talk about today. You see, in The Mandalorian, there is a storyline that is based on a bounty hunter that comes in contact with this baby. He's not technically a baby because the the, the, the creature is about 50 years old, but it looks like a baby, and this baby has gotten really popular on the internet. How many of you know, know what I'm talking about? Baby Yoda. That's what they're calling this creature, Baby Yoda. And apparently there's been a CNN poll, there's been a poll out there, maybe it's CNN, maybe it's not, that Baby Yoda is more popular than any Democratic uh, nominee so far. <laughs> it's true. Baby Yoda is just storming the world. He's so cute, he's so lovable, and something like that. But the, the story of the Mandalorian is about him um, needing to bring Baby Yoda to the bad guys, and the bad guys, you know, are going to be bad guys with Baby Yoda, and so he realized that, and, and, and the whole show is a series of sacrifices that this guy, so far, is making on the behalf of this baby. How many of you know that there is something deeper whenever you see sacrifice going on? When you see sacrifice, there's something deeper that's happening. Now I want to just give you my definition of sacrifice. When someone gives up something they love for someone they love more. When someone gives up something they love for someone they love more. When I was a 13-year-old kid, I was hanging out in the summer with my cousin and my little brother who was 11. And I told you last week, my brother gave me presents uh, that were from my room, and he wrapped them up on Christmas morning and gave them back to me. That's the same brother. Justin, we love you. I'm going to tell you, tell some more dirty laundry about you today. Uh, it's Christmas. It's family. I'm just, th- it's, it's in my head. I'm thinking about it. And I'll never, never forget, we were, we were spending the night at my cousin's, uh, uh, his, his lake house on Lake Silicon in Tacoma, and they had their, their trampoline on the deck. And we were all laying there, and Justin, out of the blue, underneath the stars, just says, guys, I found my soulmate. Now, I'm 13, so I know a lot about soulmates, right? So does Brent. I mean, we're like experts in the field. We said, Justin, how do you know she's your soulmate? And he starts talking, oh, I just think she's so pretty, she's so beautiful. I just want to be with her. I just, I love her so much. I said, Justin, you just, were, you just used the L word. Do you know what that means? And Justin said, no. He said, what does it mean? I said, it really comes down to this question, Justin. Will you take a bullet for her? <laughs> As a 13-year-old, that's what, I, that's, what I, that's, that's, that's what I thought. Actually, it was a lot more true than I first realized. Uh, <laughs> So Justin did what, you know, any normal 11-year-old kid would do, you know, he phoned her the next day and they broke up. And so, 
wherever there is sacrifice, there's something deeper going on, and wherever there's not sacrifice, there's not something deeper going on. You know what I mean? And uh, again, my definition of sacrifice is when someone gives up something they love for someone they love more. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to actually look at uh, the why of Christmas. Why did God send His Son? Why did God become flesh? Um, And we're going to start with the sacrifice that Mary and Joseph made to raise Jesus the way that God was calling them to raise Him. I want to start in chapter 2, verse 13. This is right after the wise men had paid visit to the family of Jesus. Verse 13, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take this child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. I want you to skip down to 19. In the in-between verses, Herod is on his rampage. Kids are in the room, so we'll skip over that. You can read it later. Verse 19, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of Egypt saying, rise, take this child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life were dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus... This was Herod's son, was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there, but being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Let's just bow our heads and pray and just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us today. Father, we love you. We want to hear from you. We want to, we want to take something from this message, from your word, and we want it to just get inside of our hearts. And so we invite you to do that. Take your word, plant it deep inside of our hearts, and change our hearts so that we are changed because of your word and because of what you are doing in us. Father, we're just inviting you to transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. We give up what we love for who we love more. That's the definition of sacrifice. And that is literally what you see here with Joseph and Mary. They are sacrificing their desires to raise Jesus as God was calling them to raise him, they literally sacrificed what they wanted, their dreams for their life, their expectations for their life, so that Jesus could be raised the way that God wanted and protected. This, this is sacrificial parenting. If you're a parent, you know that there are moments when you sacrifice what you want for what your kid needs. I, uh, I've been blessed this week because my sister and my brother-in-law, they've been here. We actually dedicated my, my nephew in the first service My mom and dad were here. It was really special to have them in the service. They'll be here for the holidays. Then after the holidays, my mom's parents are going to be here. We feel just really blessed. I think of my mom when I run across a quote that I'm about to read to you that describes this idea. A mother is a person who, seeing there are only four pieces of pie for five people, promptly announces she never did care for pie. If you're a parent, or if you're specifically a mother, but we know that it's both parents, you know what it feels like to give up something that you want for something that your child needs. There's something about being human that is just, that is, it goes with it. You have that kid and there's a part of your heart that is just awakened to giving of yourself in ways that you aren't prepared for. 
And it doesn't just go from parent to kid, it also goes from kid to parent. How many of you have seen the movie The Elf? Anybody see Elf? Anyone? Did you know that Elf was here just a few minutes ago? He was hanging out around the fountain. He came all the way from New York City or the North Pole. I'm not even sure where he's from. Um, and he was hanging out taking pictures with people. Elf, Elf, Elf. I love the movie Elf because it's funny and it's all about Christmas and the themes of Christmas. But you see this idea of sacrificial love in the movie Elf. The story goes like this, that um, that Santa adopts this baby human through, uh, you know, an accidental pickup, essentially, as he's making his rounds on Christmas morning, except Buddy is not a normal elf. Buddy is a human, and he's not just a human, he's a large human, and he grows up in the North Pole, but he becomes an elf by identity, but he still is a human, and the story of Santa essentially being a, an adopted father to Buddy is is really kind of what the, the storyline is all about because Buddy eventually realizes that he's adopted. He wants to find out who is my real father and it's a hard thing for Santa to walk through because he's raised Buddy as his own son, essentially. Uh, but Buddy gets his way and he goes on this adventure and he shows up in New York City and he gets a job because in New York City, and if you're dressed like an elf, you can get a job at Christmas time. And Buddy gets a job at a department store, and it, there's a very interesting scene between him and the manager where the manager is kind of telling him how the culture of this department store is going to be, right? The problem is Buddy knows what the culture of the North Pole really is like. Uh, and, and so it's kind of a funny scene. The funny thing to me is at the end of the scene when the manager makes the announcement that Santa Claus is coming tomorrow. You see, Buddy Elf... When he hears that, he's like, I want to see Santa Claus. I love Santa Claus. I know Santa Claus. And he's just expressing his love for him. And then later that night, he somehow gets back into the store or he stays there. All, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, and, he, and he starts decorating that place for his dad to come. And he spends all night. Uh, decorating, cutting out snow angels, just going to the nth degree to make it a special time. And if you've seen, you know, the show, and if you're here and you believe in Santa, I'm just going to stop at this moment, but I'm just going to tell you that it wasn't who he thought it was going to be. But he still sacrifices so much to make his father happy. And sacrificial love is what we're talking about today. The Bible talks about four different kinds of love, and actually sacrifice can play a role in each of them, but the kind that we're going to talk about today is not a me-centered sacrificial love, it's an others-centered sacrificial love. The first kind of love that we see in, in, uh, in Scripture is, uh, or one of the categories, is this idea of eros love. Now again, there's kids in the room, so I'm just going to... Uh, encourage you to you know play that word out eros love is where we get the word erotic here's the thing without eros love there is no desire to pr produce life without eros love there is no life you need eros love to create life but the reality is there's a me benefit there right there's a me benefit the second kind of love is phileo love this is the kind of love that preserves life now there's still a me benefit it's the kind of love you know philadelphia the city of brotherly love it's, it's the kind of love that's necessary for friendship to develop between humans and other humans to cooperate to build society. It's very important that the world 
has phileo love. The third kind of love is the kind of love we've been mentioning with parent love. It's called storge love. If eros creates life and phileo love preserves life, storge life makes life worth living. How many of you know that the reason Christmas is such a wonderful time is because it gives you an opportunity to spend time with the people that you value and love the most? Right? You don't have to work. You can come home, and whether you have stuff or you don't have stuff, you share a meal, you celebrate life together. These are people that you love the most. And even if you don't have biological storge love, you still have people in your life that you love so much that you would consider them family. And it's, they're almost interchangeable. That's storge life. It makes life worth living. There's still a me benefit here. It's beneficial to have family. By the way, this is why this is our definition for church. It's got to be family or else it, it's never going to fulfill God's idea for what the church is supposed to be about. But the last kind of love is what we're going to talk about today. If eros love creates life and phileo love preserves life, and storge love makes, makes life worth living, agape love makes life worth giving up. Agape love is a divine love, a covenant love, a God-inspired love, a selfless love that is passionately committed to the well-being of others. John 3.16 gives us the why of Christmas. John says it like this, For God so loved, agape, the world, that he gave his only son. That's why we say Jesus is the greatest gift to humanity. He was a gift from the Father to us. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Friends, wherever and whatever we sacrifice for in our lives, we experience the kind of love that literally describes God. We channel his love for us when we're willing to give up our lives for others. Like I said earlier, you see this throughout Scripture. There's a movie out right now. It's a sequel that has a scene in the first one that really captures what I'm talking about. So before you go out and see Frozen 2, make sure you see Frozen 1. Check out this clip.
sacrificed yourself for me? I love you. An act of true love will thaw a frozen heart. <laughs> there you go. You heard it first from St. Olaf of Alexandria of Egypt, you know? Early church father. An act of true love. What does he say? Un thaws a frozen heart. Olaf. Um, only sacrificial love can break the curse of selfishness in our lives. Uh, many people wonder, well, why would you have Elsa and Anna here to take photos with people? Because we want Elsa and Anna to be able to worship Jesus like everyone else. Like, why wouldn't we invite the local Disney princesses? Their lives will eventually be uh, held accountable to God too. And so we're grateful to be able to point anyone and everyone to Jesus through any story that reveals the themes of Scripture today. I couldn't have preached that message better than to show you an example of what that sacrificial love looks like. John 15, 13 literally says, greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down their life for a friend. The way that Anna leaves Kristoff and lifts her hand up to save Elsa from Hans is an example of giving up your life for the sake of someone else. This built-in trigger that we all have that communicates that deeper thing through the act that we're watching, I call it an agape trigger. Anytime you see something being sacrificed, someone sacrificing something for someone that they love, it's like this trigger goes off in our heads and our hearts. And God is able to show us, this is what I did for you. This is what it looks like to give up your life for someone else. You see, friends, when we think of Christmas, oftentimes we don't think about the cross. And yet, if there was no Christmas, there would be no cross. And if there is no, uh, without the cross, there is no Christmas. They are they are tied together. One is the beginning of the story, and one is the culmination of the story. The cross is where Jesus gladly, and for the joy set before him, gave up his life because he loves you so much. The Christmas story is a story that reveals that the God of the universe loves us so much that he sacrificed heaven for earth. And while it's easy for us to assume that this was God's greatest sacrifice, there were other sacrifices that Jesus made along the way. And during temptation, and during suffering, and during the human condition, and ultimately giving it all up so that we could experience peace with God. Friends, this Christmas we cannot forget the why of Christmas. Why would God send His Son? Why would God come in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, except that we would know how deep and how powerful His love really is for each of us. And friends, when we give and when we serve sacrificially and agape, in, the, in, the, in the spirit of agape, we feel connected to God because it's literally His definition. And if you want to get a really beautiful picture of this in a text that often talked about at Christmas time, Go to Philippians 2, and we're going to read the first eight verses. It is one of my favorite passages that describes the agape love of God for us. So if there is any encouragement for Christ, any comfort from love or agape, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, 
complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same agape or sacrificial love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, and have this in mind amongst yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, friends, when we celebrate the love of God this Christmas, we celebrate a sacrificial love, a relational love that isn't just uh, any of the other levels of love. It's a divine love. It's not eros. It's not phileo. It's not even storge. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond that, that sees others and gives up the needs and desires for that thing or that person. A selfless love that is passionately committed to the well-being of others. Some of you have spent your whole life not believing that you are worthy of love. And Christmas tells the opposite of that story. Maybe you've wondered whether or not, and, and, and maybe you've had imperfect interactions with some of these other types of love. You've had Eros love, and it didn't work out. You've had Phileo love. Maybe you've not had Phileo love. Maybe you've not had or you have had Storge. But there's one gift that each of you can have this Christmas. And the Christmas story is proof that God wants you to have it. He wants you to have his agape love. He wants you to know that you are so important to him, that he loves you so much that he would be willing to come himself and to sacrifice himself ultimately on the cross so that you could experience the kind of love that he desires for you to have. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 is a challenging passage. I mean, as I sit and think about that passage for my life, I have to ask myself, does this truly reflect the description of Jesus' love in my life? And I got to tell you, this season, it's easy to lose sight <laughs> of these eternal principles that God desires us to live by each and every day. In a season of busyness where it's just go, 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 go. Buy, 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 buy. Be it this, go to that. It's so easy to lose sight of the significance of God becoming flesh and understanding that that was God's way of proving to us how much he loves us. To answer the question that I posed of Justin earlier, would God take a bullet for me? He did. He sent himself and took a whole lot more than that. And if you're like me, maybe you just have gotten to the place where it's like you're hitting that wall, you're hitting that wall. Can I encourage you? Pause and remember. Because if you feel like you've run out, it's because you don't have agape love being channeled through you. Here's the critical thing to understand about this kind of love. It doesn't originate here. It originates there. You see, you can try your hardest to love people in your own strength. You can, I mean, you can like think about it. You can write a little, a little you know, Tony Robbins uh, encouragement to yourself every morning and about being the type of person, and the reality is you will still run out. 
Because agape love does not originate in you. It originates from God. It is a sacrificial love that God places in humanity to be passionately committed to the well-being of others. And it doesn't exclude our family or our friends. Right? They're usually the first ones that get the recipient of it. But it goes beyond them. It goes beyond people who don't deserve our love and who haven't asked for our love and who don't even, they, I mean, they could even be our enemies. That's literally what Jesus did on the cross. He sacrificed his life for people who literally didn't even ask for him to do it and they didn't value it. They didn't care about it. And yet Jesus still gave that. Well, if you're like me and you're running out of this, this effort that you're trying to place in yourself, I want you to apply this message in a very simple way this Christmas. We're actually going to close a little bit earlier today because I know that we have uh, kids in the service and, I, and I'm sure that there are many things that you have to do today. But I want you to really think about this one application. In order to receive God's love and to reveal God's love, you have to, re- you have to receive it first. In other words, if, if you want to reveal God's love, if you want God's agape love to work through you, you have to be able to receive it first. I know that this, the whole idea of agape love is to be selfless, right? But in order to be selfless with God's agape love, you have to be selfish with God's agape love. Let me explain. If you're not able to receive from God, you won't have anything to give out. That's why you run out. By the way, that's why I run out. I run out all the time. I, I'm always trying to do things in my own effort. <laughs> all right? that, that's the human condition. We try to do things in our own effort. But the gospel is that God does it. And we partner with him. We partner with what he is doing, what he's already done, what he will do. And here's the reality of God's agape love. It's, it's endless. It's unlimited. There is no end to it. And so I want you to think about this one idea as we come to the close of of this Christmas season. We have one more service and we're going to kind of press even deeper into this idea. If, If you want to reveal God's love to this world, you have to be able to receive it. You have to receive God's love. It's the one area that you that you can be selfish with. And in the Christmas season, I know that there are always people who are checking things out and maybe you're reconnecting with the faith of your childhood. Maybe you're trying to reconnect with God. Maybe you're trying to figure out how all this works. The first step to receiving God's love is by opening the door of your life to him. The Bible says this in a lot of different ways, but it's really about salvation. It's about inviting God to come into your life and giving him room to create capacity in you to become something more. I'd like you to invite you to just bow your heads with me today. Just in this moment, in the middle of the service, we still have a few more minutes left. We're going to worship and close and release people to go go take photos and eat goodies and all that. But I just want to ask a simple question. Have you ever opened up your heart to God? You see, Jesus says in Revelation that he's standing at the door of your heart. He's knocking. He wants to come in and share a meal with you. He desires to spend life with you. And actually, he wants to show you how easy his way of life is. Uh, If you try to love people in your own strength, you run out. But if you love with God's love, you never run out. And that doesn't mean that we don't come back to him to learn more, but it's that initial invitation that we actually are responding to when God gives it. I want to just say a simple prayer today. If you've never said that prayer, if you've never said, God, I want you, I desire you, I want to love like you love, I want to live this life, life how you've lived, would you just close your eyes 
And would you just repeat after me a prayer like this and let your heart say it today for yourself. God, Father, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you. I open up my life to you. I receive the gift of salvation and the gift of your presence and the gift of you speaking to me and growing me and learning me. God, we receive today. We receive today. We receive today the, good, the gift of God's agape love in our life that causes us to be able to love people and to serve people and to give in the spirit of sacrifice and the spirit of love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Friends, if you... If you God's faithful. He invited you into His family. He's given you His name. And He will begin to pour His agape love into your heart. And He will teach you through Jesus and His teachings as you apprentice alongside of Him. So that's the first step. Open the door of your heart, uh, of your life. But if you've already done that, or if you just did that, it doesn't stop there. I want you to be selfish again about being intentional about intimacy. How do you spend time with God? Let me just give you a couple ways. And in the new year, we're going to really focus on these things. Prayer, number one, communication with Him. Number two, the Word. Support His agape love into your life, into your heart, through His words in you. And He'll do that through His Word and through the teachings of Jesus. We do that through uh, being out in the revelation of creation and nature. Take a walk and talk to God. It happens through worship. Some of you serve, but you be open to God serving you this Christmas. And one of the things that we're going to do, and Tara talked about it earlier, is in the new year, we're going to spend 21 days in prayer and fasting. And we invite people to participate at whatever level. I mean, if you want, I guess there's one way that I don't want, I don't want you to participate at the level of fasting, fasting, okay? Right? <laughs> I want you to do something. I want, to, I want you to actually give up something. Again, my definition of sacrifice is giving up something we love for someone we want more, right? And that's what fasting is. I love burritos. I love Oreos. I love food. But man, I want a closer relationship with God. I want to know His agape love for me. I want to reveal God's agape love through me. And so we're going to spend 21 days. Just pray about it. Ask Him what you would do. We've, we're going to have resources online and messages that you can watch and outlines and things that you can... We're going to have a 21-day devotional. We want to recalibrate our lives in 2020 so that we can receive even more love from God and be used to reveal God's love through us. That God would animate our gifts. That He would extend His favor. That He would pour out blessing on our lives. That we would have divine opportunities. Some of you have people in your head even right now that you want to invite to the for some reason you just haven't here's what happens when you start spending a lot of time with God those missed opportunities just become natural organic connections you don't have to do them in your own efforts you can partner with him and he'll show you where to work so be intentional about being selfish about intimacy with God and finally you'll know how to be selfless when you are selfish with that time you'll run out over and over and over unless you are John 15 says it so clearly, unless you're connected to God. You've got to stay connected to God. Like any marriage that drifts apart, that's what a relationship with God is about. Let me be very clear. I am not talking about salvation. I'm talking about intimacy. I'm talking about relationship. And when you partner with the Holy Spirit in your life, God will pour His heart into your heart and you will begin to love people like He loves them, which has no limit, which has no end, 
and it'll extend your efforts. You'll see fruit that like just starts popping up in places that you didn't even work hard for because that's how good God is. You begin to see what He wants to do. Friends, this Christmas, I want us to remember that God came so that we could have this gift. That we could give our lives for other people because He's given His life for us. But love is passive. It doesn't just sit around and do anything. It goes after the things and the people that God has in us. But if we haven't a strong connection with Him, we will miss opportunities and we will miss things. And there's no guilt here. There's just always room for growth. And that's a huge reason why we want to just spend some time in January seeking the face of God because we want to live with this idea of agape Christmas love, not just at Christmas time. We want to live our whole life with that. If we don't, we'll run out until, unless we keep receiving. On Friday, I was driving around Costa Mesa and Santa Ana and Irvine, and I'll do this with uh, a buddy of mine who's planning a church in Tustin, and we just get together and we encourage each other. And I, I try to be intentional about my relationship with God, and yet I know that in seasons like Christmas, it just gets busy. And sometimes even the rhythms of our life get bumped and things are moved, and we're not always to stay, able to stay as committed and focused. But we were driving around and going to different possible locations and praying. As you know, our, our church is looking for a, for a new facility, a new home. Um, I want you to notice my language there. Our church is looking for a new home. That's because a building isn't a church. It's the people of God. And, uh, and, and we're going to be gathering somewhere else here in the, in the, in the coming years. Uh, and God already has it. He, he's already seen it. But I, I'm, trying to hear, I'm, I'm trying to position myself to hear from him. And we were driving around, and, my, and we're driving past this little tiny church. It looked like it could seat about 25 people. And my buddy said, hey, do you know the significance of that church? I said, that church building. I said, no, I don't. He said, that's where Chuck Smith got a prophecy that God was going to pour out his spirit and, and do some amazing things. That's when that church was running. 25 people, and his wife got this word from God. And we st- I said, you have to stop. i got to go get a picture of that plaque. This is just on the north side of Costa Mesa, south side of Santa Ana, the church, is, the church building is still there. And so I, we walked in, I got a picture of the plaque, and it said the oldest Protestant church building in Orange County, and that was like in 1958. So today, it's still the oldest church building, I'm guessing, that's still in use, um, because there's some churches that meet inside of it. And I saw that there was a door that was open, and so I decided to be, you know, Snoopy. It's Christmas, you know, break and entering sort of a thing. And... Uh, and Santa does it. And, and so I, I, walked through, <laughs> I walked through the door, and there's some people decorating. And I said, hey, how's it going? We, we, just, I just, we just wanted to take a picture of this building that's over here. And apparently they were decorating for a wedding that was going to happen the next day. And there was a, a groom there and two people that were decorating. And they, they said, do you want to see the inside of that building? Yeah, we said, yeah, we want to see the inside of the building. So he took us back in there, and we toured it, and we came back. And inside inside the fellowship hall a second a few moments later um we kind of coming to the end of the our conversation with each other i said hey can we just pray a, a blessing over you this is the day before your wedding how cool is that we just want to pray for you that tomorrow will be awesome we had just met this guy so um but christians he's a part of the family and two people are there it just it was so weird like how that all works huh have you ever noticed that family how that works so we prayed over him and he said you know i think we should go over into the 
pray. And, uh, and, and we said, okay, that sounds good. Now, here's the thing. Like, we, we, we were open to it because we didn't have, like, any meetings scheduled. But I'm just thinking in my head, man, I schedule myself out. But for whatever reason, I had nothing in the afternoon. And so John and I, we, we went, out, went back inside. We started praying. And John was telling the story of how Calvary Chapel and the, the vision that came in that tiny little church building. And, and we we're just praying. And, and you know what happened? God showed up. I mean, all of us felt his presence as we prayed together. I didn't know that there there are biographies or their stories, but as John and I were praying, and this guy was praying, and this gal was praying, and this other guy was praying, he started praying over that person, and I started praying over that person, and that person started praying over me, and God was speaking through us, and we're praying God's words over each other's lives, and before long, all of us were just bawling like little babies, and we're crying. It's like Christmas. We're inside this old 25-person church building. And then the groom goes, and by the way, this is what I love about God always. Things that they spoke over my life are literally what I needed to hear from God in the moment. I mean, it was like boom, 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 set, set, set. Gifts. Do you know God like this? This is what a healthy church family looks like. The gifts of the Spirit are in operation and the Holy Spirit is flowing and we're just all living this kind of life not in drudgery but in partnership with an unlimited resource king who has eyes on every single sparrow in Orange County. Knows where they live. Knows where they're struggling. Knows why they're depressed. Knows the suicidal ideation and he's willing to be there for them. I got the band excited. That's always good. So grateful for the gifts that God has. What I loved about Groom said at the end of the prayer, he's like, you know, I just feel like we need to ring this bell. <laughs> it's Christmas, you know. We need to ring this bell. I said, what do you mean ring this bell? Well, we just reattach the bell that's in the tower, and I think we should ring the bell. And you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm pretty conservative, okay? I'm not like the guy that's going to go out there and, uh, you know, do the crazy things. Unless I really know that it's from the Lord. But it was his idea, and he's getting married the next day. And I just thought, you know what? Let's just ring the bell. <laughs> I remember how excited I was when I was about to get married. Let's just ring that bell. So he said, why don't you ring it first? And I climbed up there, and I rang that thing. And I'm telling you, it was like there was something that just stilled our hearts, that focused our hearts, and reminded me of why we exist as a church. We've got to let people, they don't have to live in cold, selfless, lonely lives anymore, that they have been invited into the family of God with a Father that loves them, regardless of their earthly experiences with their Father, good or bad. God loved us so much that he gave himself. And at Christmas, that road led to the cross where he proved himself to each of us that you are worthy of my love, that I loved you so much that I gave myself for you. There is no Christmas you can give to someone that will ever compare to that, that reality. That reality changes everything. And that is what Jesus says in the New Testament is like being born again. I came as a baby. You've got to come to faith as a baby in me. That I would reorient you towards this world through my eyes. 
and I would set you free from the slavery mindset that has held you back and I will lift the limitations off you as you lean into me. As my spirit is poured into you, I will show you what is possible and it's all possible as long as I have mandated it. As my kingdom goes forth, you will be my witnesses to the uttermost ends of the earth. There will be no end to the light that I'm going to shine on this earth. People will be free. Just lean into me. I want you to stand up today. I want you to stand up today and I want you to worship. Father, we worship you today. We worship you today. We know that there is nothing that we can do in our own strength. That it must be by the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Animating what is dead. Father, I pray that your resurrection power would come this Christmas. And that you would inspire us to see your face, your works, your teachings in all that we do. Lord, we love you and we're so grateful for the gift of agape love in Jesus coming to earth for us. Hey, this is Pete from Newport Mesa Church. We want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Newport Mesa Church, we're all about changed lives. If this message encouraged you, we'd love to hear about your story. So connect with us on our webpage or email us at info at newportmesa.org. If you'd like to support the ministry here, you can give through our website or our mobile app. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope to see you next week.